I'm Abby, one of the church family members here, and we're going to be reading now from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, which can be found on page 1085 in the Bibles in front of you. John, chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I had come from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be the one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. 
Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thank you, Abby. Hello, my name's Andrew. I'm part of the church family here. We're going to be looking at that passage uh, that Abby's just read to us. That's uh, John chapter 17. So if you haven't turned it up, please do me a favor and you a favor by turning it up for me. Page 1085 in the church Bibles, John chapter 17. Um, we're doing a series in John's gospel at the moment. Um, although we took a week off last week. Last week, if you were here, you heard Jonathan Berry preach on Luke 18 about a parable that Jesus taught, which, is, which he taught so that we would always pray and never give up. It's a great sermon to listen to because it's a wonderful parable to read. So if you haven't heard that sermon, please do yourself a favor. Go to the website and have a listen to last Sunday evening's sermon on Luke 18, 1 to 8. Um, so we're back to the John's Gospel series at the moment that we're doing. But next, but this is the last one in the John's Gospel series because we've got Salt Mine next Sunday evening. Then we've got Christmas stuff. And then I think towards the end of January, we get back to John's Gospel. Most of you are looking as though you really don't want to hear all of that. But I've told you anyway, you've got it now. Let me just tell you some, one thing, though. Um, Christmas is coming early this year. Um, I've written a book about John's Gospel. It's called The John Experiment. It basically just teaches through the whole of John's Gospel. And I brought 15 copies with me this evening that are free. Sorry, that was an opportunity for you to go, ooh. No, well, don't worry, we'll try it again. So I brought 15 copies with me this evening, and they are free. Thank you for so, being so easily manipulated. That's wonderful. <laughs> Um, They're on the front row here. There are 15 copies of them. It would be wonderful if I didn't have to take any of them home with me afterwards because they're kind of heavy. So it's called the John Experiment. Do come and get yourself a copy afterwards. That would be wonderful. Right, we're going to look at John chapter 17. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a very, very important chapter in John's Gospel. Well, of course, every chapter in John's Gospel is important. But in chapters 14, 15, and 16... Jesus has been talking to his disciples. He's been talking to the apostles before he goes to the cross. But at the end of chapter 16, he stops talking to the apostles and he starts talking to his father. So what we've got in chapter 17 is incredibly important. We've called this sermon, Jesus, His Priorities, because we're going to hear Jesus praying to his father. And when you listen to someone praying, you hear what their priorities are. If I listen to myself praying, 
then I discover what's important to Andrew Page. We discover what matters. And here is what matters to Jesus. Let's listen to him praying. Let's watch him praying. So this is incredibly significant, what we're about to look at, what Abby's just read to us, what we're going to look at now for a few minutes. This is, listen to this, this is God talking to God. This is Jesus, the eternal Son of God, talking to God, his Father. This is God talking to God. Wow. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we look at this chapter. There are three main things that Jesus prays for. Firstly, in verses 1 to 5, Jesus prays for himself. Verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. And verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus is praying for himself. And what he specifically prays in verse 1 and in verse 5, he prays that God the Father will glorify him. Now that may seem a little bit strange. If I, say, if I prayed to God and asked God to glorify Andrew Page, that would be seriously weird, wouldn't it? Yes, you would totally agree with that, those of you who know me, because I'm not perfect, I'm a sinner, I've got all kinds of weaknesses. It would be very strange if I prayed that prayer. But you see, God, Jesus, he's the eternal son of God. He never sinned. He always did what was right. So it's absolutely right that Jesus here prays to his father before he goes to the cross and says, Father, glorify me. One of my favorite verses in John's gospel, I take the opportunity whenever I preach from John's gospel almost to quote you this verse because it's so wonderful. This is Jesus talking about his relationship to his father. It's in John chapter 8 and he says this, I always do what pleases him. Those are staggering words. I mean, I sometimes do what pleases God the Father. I want to do what, God, what pleases God the Father, but I can't say I always do what pleases him. Can you? But Jesus can say, I always do what, please, do what pleases him. That's John chapter 8, verse 29. So it's right that Jesus says here, Father, glorify me. Now, what does that mean? What's he asking God the Father to do? Well, partly glorify me means make, help, help people to see who I am and what I've done. Help people to see who I am and what I've done and they, they will then honor me and worship me. Look at this. Look who Jesus is. Verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Jesus is saying, I'm the son of God. I'm the eternal son of God. He is fully God. Look at verse 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus Christ. Christ is the same as Messiah. It means Savior. So Jesus is the son and the Savior. 
One of the things Jesus means when he says to his father, glorify me, he means help people to see who I am, that I'm the son and the savior. Have you seen that about Jesus? But it also means help people to see why I came. Because Jesus came to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Have a look at verse 4. Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. He's talking about the cross. Okay, at this point in when he says verse 4, he's not yet died on the cross, but he's about to go. He's made his decision. He's going to die for the sins of the world. And he died for the sins of the world so that all those who turn from their sins and put their trust in Jesus are forgiven now and forever. Wow. That is the wonderful thing about the Christian good news, or one of the wonderful things. If you turn from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, you are forgiven now and forever. That is astonishing. Now Jesus is saying, Father, glorify me. Help people to see who I am and why I came. Jesus is praying for himself that he will be glorified. Do you, do you recognize who Jesus is? Do you believe that he's the Son and the Savior? Do you know why Jesus came? Do you believe that he died not just for the sins of the world? Do you believe he died for your sins? So that you could be forgiven. If you've said yes to both of those questions, then you are bringing glory to Jesus. And maybe you've been thinking about Jesus. Maybe you're not yet a Christian. You've been coming to a bar. Maybe you've even gone to Alpha. You've been asking a friend questions. You may have even started reading one of the Gospels. And you're beginning to think, maybe Jesus is the Son and the Savior. Maybe Jesus did die on the cross so I could be forgiven. Maybe you're thinking all of that. Well, you've already started bringing glory to Jesus. That's the first thing. Jesus prays for himself. Secondly, in verses 6 to 19, Jesus prays for the apostles. He prays for the apostles, for his disciples. Verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. He means the apostles. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they've obeyed your word. I can't read all these verses, but look down Verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, and verse 10. He's talking about the apostles. Not the 12 apostles, because Judas is going to betray him. He's talking about the 11 apostles. Have a look at verse 8. I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. And verse 9, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. Why has glory come to Jesus through the apostles? Because they've begun to believe that Jesus is the Son and the Savior. And they have begun to believe that he's going to die on the cross for their sins. And that brings glory to Jesus. 
when we understand who Jesus is and why Jesus came. And now Jesus prays for the apostles. He's going back to the Father. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to live inside them. And now he's praying for them. There's so much he prays. I can't mention all the things. I'm just going to pick out three things from verses 11 to 19. And they're not just for the apostles then. They're also for us now. They apply to us too, if we're trusters in Jesus. First thing he prays for is unity or love. Unity, that they will love one another. Look at verse 11. No, verse um, verse 11, yes, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. He's praying for unity. He'll pray he's praying they'll love one another. He's praying they'll honor one another, that they'll respect one another, that they won't split into different groups. He's praying for unity. Really important that followers of Jesus are united. That doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. It doesn't mean I have to be best friends with every other Christian. But it means that I need to love you. And you need to love me. It means that we need to honor one another, respect one another. That's the first thing, unity or love. Second thing he prays for them is joy. Look at verse 13. Jesus says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Why is it that trusters in Jesus can experience joy? I think that's a rather easy question. At least when I say the answer, it'll be very familiar to you. We can experience joy because we, we know who Jesus is and we know why Jesus came. We know he's the Son and the Savior. If you know that, open your heart to the Spirit, you can experience joy in Jesus. And we know why Jesus came if we're trusters in Jesus. We know that he died so that we could be forgiven. That gives me joy that I'm forgiven. There's a verse in Peter's first letter later in the New Testament where he talks about Christians having joy. And he says we can be filled with a glorious and inexpressible joy. That means a glorious joy that you can't put into words. Now I have to say, sometimes I experience that and sometimes I absolutely don't. And maybe it's similar with you. But I think we Christians should be asking God that we'll experience this glorious and inexpressible joy more and more and more. He definitely wants it. Look at verse 13. If you would like that, just ask God now. Ask him every day this week for glorious and inexpressible joy. Jesus is joy. Joy in Jesus because of who he is and because of why he came. That's the second thing. The first one was unity or love. Second one was joy. The third one is, I didn't know what to call this. Maybe you can come up to me afterwards and tell me what I should have called it. I've called it identity, but I'll need to explain what I mean by that. Have a look at verse 14. 
I have given them your word, and the word world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. He's talking about the, the apostles, and he's saying they're in the world, but they're different from the world. He's talking about their identity. Because they belong to Jesus, they're different. They need to stand out. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. He's wanting them to know their identity, that they belong to Jesus. That they're, they're not just like everyone else, but they have a different identity. They belong to Jesus. They are Jesus' people. And how are they going to be aware of their identity? How are they going to be aware that God has done this miracle in their lives? Look at verse 17. Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means help them to see that they are different, that they belong to me, that they belong to you, Father. Sanctify them. And how are they going to be aware of their identity? By the truth. Your word is truth. I think, I think this means this. If I want to be aware of how astonishing the identity is that God has given me because I belong to Jesus, if I want to become more and more, more and more aware of that identity, that God has done something amazing in my life, then I need to take the Bible seriously. Your word is truth. Sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. I think this is what this means. It also means that if Andrew, that's me, if I neglect the Bible, then I am stupid. I saw one person smile there straight away, thinking, well, I know that you're stupid, Andrew. But that's not what I mean. I mean, that we'll, we won't discuss that in small groups. But I'm stupid if I neglect the Bible. And some of us do, and I do sometimes. Some of us can let days go by, a week go by, without reading the Bible. Well, if John 17, verse 17 is true, then wow, if I'm going to be more and more aware of my identity, that I belong to God because I'm a truster in Jesus, then I need to read the Bible. I need to be, be allowing the Holy Spirit to use the Bible in my life. Identity. Being aware that we're different. Those are the three things that Jesus prays for the apostles, but they apply to us too. Um, they are unity or love, joy, and identity. And you may even want to pick up one of those now and just lift your heart to the Lord and say, please, let me experience that more in my life. Jesus prays for himself. Jesus prays for the apostles. And thirdly, in verses 20 to 26... Jesus prays for us. Because that's what this last paragraph is about. Look at verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. And there's two main prayers, prayers here that Jesus prays for us. Although I think he's also praying the things that he's been praying for the apostles. 
The first one is very familiar. It's unity again. Look at this, verse 21. He prays that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Just have a look at verse 21. The Father and the Son are are in a great unity together, aren't they? The Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Father. Well, Jesus Jesus is saying the unity of Christians together should be like that. We should be so close to one another. There should be a real love there. And that love will have an effect. Do you see the end of verse 21? May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There is something about Christians loving one another that helps other people to believe that the good news is true. Uh, It's there again in verse 23. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When people experience that Christians love one another, obviously I need to just say this, we don't just love other Christians, we love others too. But there is something special about the love that Christians have for one another. And other people notice that. Maybe you can even remember something like that. Maybe when you were thinking about whether Christianity was true and you were wondering about this Jesus stuff, maybe you started going to a church, maybe it was above bar, maybe it was another church, and you thought, well, these people are very strange, and what they're talking about is very strange, but there is a love here. Maybe somebody here experienced that. I remember asking a friend of mine, he became a Christian, and two or three years after he became a Christian, I said to him, do you remember what it was that first started you thinking, maybe, maybe the, the Jesus message is true? And he smiled, and he said, yeah, it was the love. I came to church, and there was, the, there was love there. Now, we make mistakes, and there are, there are times when we don't love. I know that. We mess up. We're sinners. But there is a love there. And it makes people think, well, maybe this stuff is true. Jesus said it earlier to the disciples in chapter 13. He said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And then Jesus said this, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Again, I say, it doesn't mean that we have to be best friends with everyone. And it doesn't mean that we agree on everything, but we agree on who Jesus is and why Jesus came, don't we? And it means we decide to love and to respect and to honor one another. And people notice that. We often don't, if we've been Christians for some time, because we're used to it. I think the Holy Spirit is saying to us through this prayer tonight, Make sure you keep loving one another. You can show love for other Christians after this service by just listening to them, appreciating them, maybe telling them you thank God for them. 
You can thank God for other Christians during this week. You can send them a text, write them an email, send them a card, whatever. You can show love. That's what Jesus is praying for here. And the second thing Jesus prays here, and it's there in verse 24, particularly verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be there, to be with me where I am, and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Uh, look particularly at verse 24. I want those you have given me to be where, with me where I am. This is about going to heaven. Jesus is praying that people who trust in Jesus will one day be with him in heaven. Fantastic prayer. I'm a truster in Jesus. I became a, a, a Christian when I was 14 years old. I'm a truster in Jesus. And I know that when Jesus comes back or when I die, whichever happens first, I will go to be with Jesus and I will be with Jesus forever in glory. I know that. Not because I'm amazing, but because he's amazing. Because he is the son and the savior and because he died on the cross for my sins, I will be with Jesus forever. And if you're a truster in Jesus, it's true of you too. How do you feel about that, seeing Jesus face to face? If you're a truster in Jesus, I hope it makes you think, wow, yes, bring it on. Although if you're younger than me, and a few of you here are, you may be thinking, well, not, not too soon. I want, there's a few other things I'd like to do first. That's fine. I can live with that. But are you excited at the thought of one day seeing Jesus face to face and being with him forever? I am. And the Bible says when we see Jesus face to face, when a truster in Jesus sees him face to face, we will be like him. When I see Jesus face to face, I will be like him. I will still be Andrew, but I will be the perfect Andrew. I will be the Andrew God originally designed Andrew Page to be. Don't worry, I will introduce myself to you again. I will be the perfect me. And you will be the perfect you. That's what Jesus is praying for in here in verse 24. Wow, isn't that astonishing? Doesn't that make you homesick? Not for a home that you have had, but for a home that you will have. Ah, I want to go home. It may, it's easier for me the older I get. I am more and more excited about seeing Jesus face to face and being with him forever. That's what Jesus is praying here. End of sermon. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about here? Of these things that Jesus is praying. These last, take these last two things, unity and love. Are you willing to put that into practice? To love others and looking forward to the fact that we will one day be with Jesus forever. Oh, hallelujah.
I am looking forward to it. I will be in heaven one day. And if you're a truster in Jesus, let me finish by saying, I'll see you there. Let's pray. Just a very brief silence. Maybe there's one thing that's just struck you. Maybe it's about unity and love. Maybe it's about joy. Maybe it's about our identity. Maybe it's about our one day being with Jesus forever. Just lift your heart in the silence and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this prayer that Jesus, your son, prayed before going to the cross. And we thank you that his death on the cross makes all of this possible. Many of us here are trusters in Jesus, your son. Help us to love one another. Please fill us with your joy. Show us more clearly what our identity is in Jesus. And fill us with an excitement that one day we will be with Jesus forever in glory. Father, we praise you. We worship you. Fill us with your spirit and send us out this week to live as Jesus' people, we pray. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.